0: Hey guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it.
1: So Nicola Pera is on the podcast again, because I love her and apparently so does everybody else. <laughs> she has another book out and it's called How to Be the Love You Seek. And if you guys are not living under a rock, of course, yeah, you know who she is and all of your book, your work on self-healing on trauma has obviously touched a massive chord with, because there's not one person, by the way, that does not know who you are. Like I told you, I was saying I was, I was telling you before this. I was at a dinner and I was like telling them that you're on this podcast. Like the whole table was like, oh my <laughs> God, I love her. Like you're like bigger than like, I don't even know who is the like Rihanna at this point. <laughs> I
0: swear. It's amazing. So congratulations. Thank you. And thank you for having me back, Jennifer, as always. I love our conversations. <laughs> I love
1: you. You're you're the best. Your book is so, all your books. I And I was saying like, I feel like every, it hits such a chord because I feel like all of us have had some form of trauma in our life that we, even if it's not a big trauma, these like small traumas that are affecting our relationships and everything we do, even from a small, from, from a small child, those things affect what we do as adults. And there's a disconnect a lot of times. We don't know why we do the things we do. And then why, why I'm even saying this is because I don't even remember so many things in my childhood. Like I have friends who like remember everything about their childhood, and I have a few memories, but I don't like remember a lot. And once I started saying that out loud to people, they're like, "Yeah, me neither." Which then thought to myself that I thought to myself, "It must be common." And what does that mean if we don't remember so much of our childhood?
0: I want to go back to to this idea of the things that could happen to us because for a very long time, similarly, not being able to recall my, yeah. my childhood. And not having, you know, or so I thought the big things that I was trained to look for, not having had those happen in my childhood, those, you know, big cataclysmic moments, instances of abuse or physical neglect. I always had a present parent that celebrated me in a lot of ways for my multiple achievements. So not having an understanding that anything had happened to me, I was really left at a loss and I was joking with you beforehand. and But jokes aside, I mean, I yeah. thought I even considered that maybe there's something, you know, structurally wrong with my brain. Yeah. Because probably around high school, I started to realize when my friends at that time would share. You know, what their childhoods were like, what memories of Christmases were like and things like that. And it became actually a running joke that, oh, Nicole doesn't remember anything. And then that was kind of compounded by, oh, well, because, you know, I like to party in high school. So maybe Nicole doesn't remember anything (laughs) because she likes to party too much, you know. And again, meanwhile, though, I'm like, well, what is wrong with me? Why don't I remember? And I talk about in my first book, um, really expanding the definition of trauma and it absolutely applies to this book because what, the reason was I wasn't remembering wasn't because right the big bad thing happened, right. as is the case for a lot of us, it's what didn't happen. And what didn't happen in, in my relationship, at least, and being a relational creature, I mean, we're fully dependent on another human to care for our physical self in childhood and actually to help us emotionally regulate in childhood. Mm -hmm. And when we don't have that attunement, um, I did not have that in my family. My family was consumed in their own survival mode, struggling with chronic illness, with health crises. And my mom, again, ill-equipped, not taught, not attuned to by her own parents, wasn't able to be emotionally available for me. So in absence of the big thing that happened, having the stress of not having that safe parent figure to attune to me and more so to help my nervous system quite literally deal with the stress of daily life, of what was happening, and then how I adapted, as we will all do, because we need those bonds. We need someone to care for us enough to keep showing up in service of our survival. So we begin to modify who we are and how we are. And in terms of The ability then to recall, and again, I'm being very intentional, but not calling it a memory um, because we actually do remember. The ability to recall, though, is impacted when cortisol, the stress hormone, right, when stress is happening in our body, and that happens beginning in utero for us. So I think a lot about my stressed out mom, all of the cortisol running through her body, her body's inability to regulate it, and then the impact that that had on my developing brain. Then of course, once I was born, same amount of cortisol, unable to regulate it, that impacts a part of our brain called the hippocampus, which deals with memory. So that's why a lot of us, we can't pull that movie screen up or retell what it was, though again, very intentionally, we do remember it. We remember it in our habits, in our patterns, in things that I saw as I'm sure we'll continue to talk about my way of being and my relationships, the way I navigated stress, which was not well at all, detaching, dissociating. So our mind and our body actually does remember. Um, We're a living memory. So, of course, I think the next question is, well, can we create change if we can't recall it? Yes, absolutely. We can become really present, I'm sure, to some of the habits relational habits that we'll talk about today. But I mean, relational trauma is real. It's now seen in the psychiatric or psychological community as CPTSD that comes from relational trauma. So again, those big Mm -hmm. moments, we used to give the diagnosis of PTSD, and now we're understanding that complex trauma happens when you don't have that secure attachment figure.
1: So does that mean then when we're not recalling our memories, it's because we've had these little forms of like these little forms of trauma or experiences that were obviously very unpleasant in some way that it's just something that we suppress
0: yes and then there's i think psychologically there's that aspect of it too right there's almost like a split in our consciousness the more stressful overwhelming things happen Um, and the more ill-equipped we are to deal with it it's a kind of like suppression so it's there right in these neural networks in our subconscious mind oftentimes it's manifested in these deep rooted beliefs that we have about ourselves when we feel unworthy or unlovable unless we're doing whatever it is that we imagined or learned
1: to do we have to
0: do so it's all there suppressed to use your word beneath the surface.
1: Does that mean the people who do remember like the the friends of mine who like remember every single birthday uh, celebration every Christmas is, Hanukkah, whatever it is, is it because they've had no trauma?
0: Not necessarily. I think some of us, you know, can hyper-remember um, Lolly, oh, okay. my partner, is one of those people who had very much an overwhelming childhood. Though I call her, a, I say she has an elephant memory. She <laughs> yeah. has an ability to remember. I mean, everything from her childhood, everything from our relationship, which was, again, in the beginning, yeah. one of those points of she'd be like, "Do you remember when?" And my, it's interesting because my language back. So say we would even go to you know a bar, or restaurant, or whatever. Yeah. We walk in, and she'd be like, "Do you remember we were here last, you know, whenever <laughs> with so and so?" And I'd be like, "Oh, it, it." feels familiar and i always notice myself when they would yeah. friends or partners would recollect something i would say hmm I, it feels familiar That feels like something i you know and it, i think that really illustrates yeah. that my body like walking into that place or when you're retelling this story it's activating the lived experience because i was there right <laughs> so right, the feeling right. in my body <laughs> but i started to note that there wasn't it wasn't you know um I was using feel, I should say, because it was a feeling of familiarity, even though my mind couldn't say, oh, yeah, we were at that table and that yeah. so-and-so was here, but my body was generating that familiarity.
1: So when was it, when is it considered just having a bad memory and something like that that you were mentioning with Lolly versus you having a bad experience or a traumatic situation where you are now disassociating or detaching from it?
0: I think so- what we're really getting into is—is is there a—is there ever a biological or physiological thing, yeah. symptom origin? Maybe that's the yeah. word I want to say here, origin, for something outside of environment or experience. Yeah. And I believe the answer is no—that there's always an interaction. Our, we're a developing physiological organism again in a body that's impacted by all of the life choices of that. Human, before we even began to develop, and that then when we were developing, and then the environment that we're born into. So it's kind of like the nature nurture thing. Yeah. And I think this is why sometimes it can be confusing because structurally we do see changes in a brain, say, if we were to give an fMRI or whatever the technology is, right? You'll see, oh, brains look different. And so for a while we said, oh, we attribute it to, well, brains look different because genetically, right? You had that chip and you didn't have this chip or, right? It was our DNA. And now I think we've evolved the science to a more epigenetic model, which is like, yeah, genes are playing part of the story though so is lifestyle or environment. So to speak to your point in terms of memory, right, our capability, our ability to do anything cognitively, in my opinion, can't just be reduced to, oh, it's just a bad chip or yeah. a faulty oh, yeah. wiring, right? It's always a connection to the choices around us. And I've yet to meet a human, actually, that has come from a Really securely connected, all needs consistently met. Child childhood, and I think mainly because of generations and generations that came before us didn't have access to information, had a lot of socio political things happening, yeah. a lot of lacking resources. Um, and I think therefore you see more of us that are you know carrying a trauma or something from our unmet needs in childhood. You know, it's so interesting. Like
1: when I read your book, right? because we talk? It talks
0: a lot about
1: like repeating patterns and all these things. And someone like myself, who I do that, all, I, I mean, it's like, aha, oh, I do this, mm-hmm. I do this. And you've talked about your whole origin story, how you evolved in your relationships and romantic relationships. And, and like, it really did strike a chord because I feel like everyone can relate to that to some degree, right? And no matter how intelligent you are, right? But that's what I find so interesting. There's such a disconnect because you still repeat the pattern, even if you know better. Yes.
0: Why? Yes. And I would see this not only in I did a lot of work with individual clients, but also couples work. I was very interested in dynamics and ran a lot of groups and sitting in the room with couple after couple. Yeah. And coming up with tools, new plans of action, new ways to communicate, doing that for maybe 50 minutes together in a room, yes. and, you know, troubleshooting, whatever the explosive argument could be that happens throughout the week. And this is what you're going to do differently, right? And <laughs> yes. break. And yet flash forward next week and or in the office a few minutes later, right? I was watching this reenactment. And the reason why, again, is because a lot of us revert back, right, in this conscious moment where yeah. we're reading the book or we're, you know, getting the tool from the therapist or you know, having the insight. We're in a different part of our brain entirely. We're operating mm. with the very powerful prefrontal cortex that can consume new information and imagine a future that's different and create yeah. all of these new solutions and use this insight, though oftentimes when we're going about our day, especially relationally, because this brings up so much of our childhood patterning and our wounding, we're operating from our subconscious mind. And especially in moments where we're stressed out, where there's conflict, where we're at odds, right now, physiologically, even the blood is flowing away from our prefrontal cortex is only flowing to that lower lizard brain. I think the language that many of us are familiar with. Totally. And we actually quite literally lose access to all of the beautiful insights and things that we know to do better. But I think this is, to speak to your point, a really shameful space to be in, especially as we have all of this insight and all of these know betters. And many of us have collected decades of consequences that come with these same patterns. Yes. And sometimes we have well meeting loved ones and friends in our life saying, Hey, red flag, don't you see this is the same relationship? Yet when we're in those moments, again, we're so reliant on, and for some of us, it's the identity that we've created about ourselves since childhood the role i talk a lot about yeah. the neurobiological roles that i call conditioned selves right this caretaker overachiever underachiever you know hero worshiper all of these ways of being then that have become our familiar that's how we know ourselves. that's how we know how to connect and how to relate to others and for some of us that's how we define love and we then rely on the familiarity of that um, in our mind, in our body. And we're pulled, again, for all those physiological reasons to continue to repeat those patterns, even if they don't serve us.
1: How do we even start changing that who we are in that role to be someone different, to have a more healthy relationship?
0: Beautiful question. And my answer will always be I like to simplify change into yeah. two steps. And the first step will always be becoming conscious of that role for for this conversation purposes. Notice, how is it that you're showing up in your relationship? Are you connected to you? Are you able to self-express your thoughts, your perspectives, your emotions, just be yourself? And how is it that you are in relation to another person? Are you taking on a role in and of itself? So really kind of being that conscious observer where we're seeing how it is. And I really am specifically saying that first point because I notice and myself included in many past relationships, I didn't have a self. I showed up solely in service of the connection, the relationship, just like I did in childhood. I squashed my perspectives, my real thoughts, my emotions, because in childhood there wasn't really space for those. Anytime that I would you know, say something or do something or express in a way that you know, was against um, my mom in particular, her wishes, she would be disappointed, she would be angry, she didn't like it. One of the main ways that she coped with her emotions because she didn't learn how to in her own childhood was to distance herself from me. At times when it was at its worst to give me the silent treatment, me and others. So, right, the more consistently that happens, and of course other people might've had an explosive parent, a reactive parent, Whatever it was that we learned in childhood and whatever space or lack thereof for our uniqueness, because we need those connections, we'll modify and we'll begin to play those roles. So I saw myself not being, right, being hypervigilant, fawning, as we call it, I think a lot of us as a protection, right? If I'm attuned to you and if I kind of notice how you are and what you need and I don't cause upset, then just like in childhood, I'm more likely to stay connected in this relationship. So I saw that play out where, I mean, it wasn't even really about if I liked you in relationships, it was do you like me, right? Even if deep down I'm like, oh, this relationship isn't feeling great for me, it was really just keeping that connection based on, again, what someone else needed.
1: I think that's very common. People get very hung up on if that other person likes them yes. and that keeps them going, you know, because they need that validation versus ever checking in and be like, do I even like this person right. in the first place? So is that stemmed from this place of like feeling good enough, being good enough? Like the other person's need is so much more valuable than your own.
0: Yeah. I think when it really comes down to it, we share and I started to, as I, you know, would Speak to people, yeah. especially now, as I have the opportunity to speak to people who've created incredible, right? Like much like yourself, things in their life. And as you know, conversations would continue. I I started to hear a theme um, that very few of us feel truly worthy. Mm-hmm. And I started to kind of explore like, you know, why why could that be? Why could it be no matter what you're, you know, creating in your life or how you're, you know, you might even have the possibility of relationship after relationship, yet you are that person again who's so worried about being liked as opposed to tuning to myself. And I, I believe and I talk a bit about this in the book that again, in childhood, if and when we didn't have our needs consistently met beyond just our physical needs, right? The roof over our head, food on our plate, when we didn't have someone who was curious about our thoughts and our perspectives and our emotions and didn't just project their emotions onto us and helped us learn how to regulate, right? Who it is that we are. When we didn't have that, right? Again, we had to modify ourself to fit in to how it was that that person was available mm-hmm. and at our and internally though right to make sense of it because we're always trying to make sense of the world right why is this person not physically present why is this person not emotionally present when we're in from birth until age seven developmentally we're in what is called an egocentric stage of development we can't zoom out Like we get the capability to in adulthood and Mm -hmm. right hold all these different perspectives, kind of see that, you know, mom or dad or whomever the caregiver was had other things going on. Maybe they had a grueling job that they had to, you know, pay the finances to keep the food on the table for us. We couldn't understand that. Or in my instance, I couldn't understand that emotionally my mom was ill equipped to be emotionally available to me. In childhood, when the world revolves around us in that egocentric way, the only way that we can make sense of the world is it has to connect back to us. So their presence, their lack of presence, their emotional capacity all has something to do with us. So to really simplify it, when our needs aren't consistently met in childhood, we do develop some kind of narrative around, oh, I must not be worthy to have those needs met. I must not be lovable enough to be connected to or to be cared for in the way that I need to. And again, I believe that the large majority of us at least have had some unmet needs. So that's why I think at our core, we do feel unworthy. And then you see all these manifestations where I'm only worried about being liked or where right, I only have to show up in service of you. And that's how I maybe keep you to stay around and do all of these different things to maintain that connection. Because again, we don't feel like just being me is enough.
1: It's so interesting because I guess if we were like, if I were to think about it, right, like all our parents from our generation, right, they didn't have the tools and the assets that we have now, right? Or they didn't have them to like, therapy wasn't a thing back then. And they didn't have all these people like you to give them insight or whatever. So we're all a byproduct of that. And that's probably why this is so striking a core to so many millions of people. And that's why we're all, I would hate to say the word damaged in a way, because we're not damaged, but we're traumatized in a in a real way. And to like, I guess, even if we have the wherewithal to know where it's coming from, to behave differently is so hard to do. You know, like, where do people start? I know you said, like, recognizing it, being conscious of it. But then day to day, don't we always just fall back to our baseline? It's so easy to fall right back to what we're comfortable with.
0: Yeah. Um, I just want to say something too about generationally because there was a time where when outside of when we didn't have resources, I mean, even just here in the States yeah. going through the Great Depression and like things like that, where there weren't financial resources, physical needs weren't being met. When or then, access so, at but, all, yeah, when and, and again, there's still lacks access um, here and, yeah. and out, out, outside of here, many other countries don't have any of these tools and resources. Though, when psychologists did come on the scene, this blows my mind, and parenting, right, was a topic for very many years, decades even, until really recently, the main model of parenting was a behaviorist model, which is simply like treating humans like an animal with reinforcement, rewards, and punishments, right? And it's this kind of like cry it out in the bedroom type of parenting. Again, all very well-intentioned, thinking that humans were Like animals. So true. In a lot of ways. So, to speak to your really wise point, Jennifer, I mean, the reality of it is they were ill equipped. And many until today are taking these models where we're not viewing the human and the tiny developing human as an emotional being yeah. that has more needs and not and that we're dealing with emotions in this behaviorist way and that just really doesn't work. But to speak to your point, becoming conscious, right? Seeing the patterns are part of the journey. But then that second step that I didn't yet mention is making new choices, right? Beginning to break those patterns now, which means we have to create a habit or create the space in our day to shift, right, whatever it is that we're doing, to do something different. And for a lot of us, it really means building the ability in our mind and body, which is why when you read this book, it, it does focus a lot on the holistic side mm-hmm. of the human relational being. And, and a lot of it is on, yes, it's on relationships and relating to other people, though it's also on rebuilding our relationship with ourselves mm-hmm. and our physical body and our nervous system in particular, because when we don't, right, we are going to be in that subconscious autopilot when we're feeling stressed, like I was describing earlier, for all those physiological reasons. Yeah. We're gonna somewhere after the fact, and sometimes I'm even saying something out of my mouth that I know I don't mean. And I'm like, <laughs> why are you saying that, Nicole? You know, because I've already lost that conscious control and the ability to to choose. So it's it's the daily commitment to building the practices in so that I can retain my space of consciousness. I can be that observer in real time where I'm going to say or do or react in that way. And I can begin to make that new choices. And more often than not, the new choices um, originate in, in my body and actually regulating, right? The increased heart rate, the quickened breath, the tension in my muscles, and all of the things that are gonna quickly send me over that point of no return, yeah. reacting or dissociating and detaching, whatever it is that you typically do. And those are the moments where, as I learn to widen my window or be able to deal with more stressful moments right. while I'm calm and grounded and responsive, then I actually get the opportunity to make those choices, which is why I think it's really frustrating. We can read beautiful books and have all of this information. And if we're not every day, as I am still committed to taking care of our body and our nervous system and actually teaching ourselves how to be responsive yeah. and be empowered. I talk a lot about an empowered relationship retaining that, that space of choice we're not we're going to be really frustrated and probably really shameful and really damaging to our relationship with ourselves and with other people.
1: That's so true. And also because we we talked we talked about this before, but it's all about like regulating your nervous system too, right? How do you reg- I mean, we may hear these things, you may you may talk about them and then the acting of them or knowing what to do with it is really hard. So, I would like to talk about the basics, they're not so basic, but like these trauma bonds because it comes down to who you're, unfortunately, who you're actually attracted to, right? Like, all this could be moot when you're, when you're physically only attracted to a certain type. You won't make a choice towards the better choice, right? Because you're gravitating to the wrong choice. And how do we switch or change who we're attracted to so we're not making these same bad decisions over and over again?
0: Often, when I when I hear you say attracted, and I think a lot of what we're Doing or what the what's happening in those moments, right? It's because again attraction. I think a lot yes. of us are like, oh, I think you're you know uh, attractive, <laughs> and I want to like you know have something happen. <laughs> often what we're attracted yes, that's what to I mean. <laughs> is the familiarity, yes. right? Yes. So we really have to you know give some nuance, or if you will, to what we're actually feeling. And often what we're feeling, and sometimes it is the familiarity of that high right stressful which sometimes feels like passion yeah. right that roller coaster moment that though again that might not be attraction per se that might be the same neurobiological chemical cocktail that maybe was very consistently present in our traumatic childhood mm-hmm. with a reactive parent or whatever was happening in the home or instability and you know all of the feelings that come along with that though yes to speak to your point, we are going to be subconsciously gravitating towards certain people and dynamics more so that are, again, replicated or usually a familiar type dynamic than is the first one that we've experienced. But for a lot of us, it means like the same biological feelings are going to be what feels good good, which is, I think, why for a lot of us, when we go to get over that honeymoon stage, Mm -hmm. or even when we meet someone where we don't feel like we're on that dramatic roller coaster to begin with, right? We're like, oh, this is boring. They might not be for us. Or maybe this relationship is over now that those feelings went away. And what we might be reacting to is not a lack of attraction. It might be the lack of that familiar physiology that, again, we've learned to define as connection, Mm -hmm. as love, as someone appealing for us.
1: That's so on point. I agree with that so much. It makes so much sense to me. So if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I do not mess around when it comes to anti-aging or longevity. And I absolutely love realistic things you can do every day to help support the process easily. And I've recently started taking a brand new omega-3 supplement called Green Fat. Green Fat was created by the founder of Perfect Bar, and he basically knocked it out of the park. They're all about anti-anti-aging, or as they call it, pro-aging, which of course I can definitely get behind. And it's made a big difference in my overall well-being. If you guys didn't know, healthy fats or omega-3s are key to your everyday function. And it's also known to improve your skin, your hair, your eyes, your joints, your cognitive functioning, and your cardiovascular health. And I absolutely love the fact that it's packed with five essential fatty acids, as opposed to most omega-3 supplements only have two or three. I'm telling you guys, this is a real game changer. Go to greenfat.com with the code HUSTLE20, and you'll get 20% off your order. And the best part is they offer you a money-back guarantee with free shipping, meaning they'll refund every penny you paid for it if you do not feel a difference within two weeks. So you're trying it totally risk-free. So remember, go to greenfat.com and use the code HUSTLE20. And let me tell you, you will thank me later. I wanna take a quick break from this episode to thank our sponsor, Therisage. Their tri-light panel has become my favorite biohacking thing for healing my body. It's a portable red light panel that I simply cannot live without. I literally bring it with me everywhere I go. And I personally use their red light therapy to help reduce inflammations in places in my body where honestly, I have pain. You can use it on a sore back, stomach cramps, shoulder, ankle. Red light therapy is my go-to. Plus, it also has amazing anti-aging benefits, including reducing signs of fine lines and wrinkles on your face, which I also use it for. I personally use Therasage TriLight everywhere and all the time. It's small, it's affordable, it's portable, and it's really effective. Head over to therasage.com right now and use code BEBOLD. For fifteen percent off. This code will work site wide. Again, head over to Therasage T H E R A S A G E dot com and use code BEBOLD for fifteen percent off any of their products. One thing that's funny, because you talk a little, you mentioned this in the book, actually, the five love languages, and it's so trite to me, you know, like, well, if you like to, if you like to, you know, words of affirmation, I wish it was that simple, right? If I can just tell you, if I can show you your love language of, I'll just compliment you and then you could just buy me things or whatever the non, like that is, like, what is your take on that? Like, do you think that type of simplicity works to help relationships flourish? Because It seems to me it's not taking into consideration a lot of other things that are happening.
0: I think what can be incredibly helpful and has benefited a lot of us when we've learned about or heard this concept of of the law of language is it introduces the reality that there's a different other person. Right. Right right? That might register for, in this context, love or these gestures in a different right. way. And again, that's that's big because we are all driven. And I think about childhood a lot. And I use this example often of when we're children in our home, until we go over to friends' homes, There's a a very big part of our world that imagines every family looks the same, Mm -hmm. right? Every family has the same kind of daily routine or lack thereof. And then we start to go over and like, oh, this family doesn't have that caregiver present or dinnertime looks a little different over here or mom acts a little different, right? And then we start to widen our perspective to see different other people. So when we meet a concept like love languages, and you can have a conversation with a partner, or you know a friend, or whomever, and say, "Well, I like gestures," and then hear, "Oh, I like words of affirmation." Oh my gosh! Okay, now I can learn how to speak. I'm introduced to the fact that you're different, yeah, and a yeah, different, yeah. you know, experience with this concept, and I can learn, if I so choose, right, how to speak your language so that you can register love. I think what does become sometimes incomplete with that concept is, and I I fell into this a lot with, with my past partners and with Lolly in particular, sometimes the language that we're most attracted to, again, we have to remember was born in a particular dynamic, right? So it might not be a full expression. So just to use my example, I came from a very predictable household. One of the major ways that all of the stress and overwhelm of all of the health related things that were happening was through this. I mean, like breakfast was at a certain time. There was a certain amount of foods that were eaten for breakfast. Dinner was at 530 the second my dad got home from work, like predictable. Everything was the same. And one of the main ways my mom showed love or connection to us the whole family, was because in absence of being able to emotionally attune, she would very much, right, cook the dinner, make my favorite meal, make sure my clothes yeah. were ironed <laughs> and in my thing, yeah. you know? That's how love was displayed. So now, flash forward in time, and this was really apparent to me with Lolly, when we met and I would get home from work, I would work later because I had sessions and in well into the evening, so she was typically home, and I would get home with an expectation that predictably, right? There'd be dinner on my table or the dishes would be done. The house would be clean, just like I learned growing up. And I would walk in and lo and behold, was I in for a surprise because none of that would be the case, Right. right? So I have an expectation and now it's being unmet. So now I'm upset or disappointed, right? And then I assign this old meaning, well, she must not Love in my language, consider me, right? Because that's what I was used to. That was consideration. When dinner was on the table, that's how my mom considered us all. And when dishes were done, little did I know, right? As I learned more about Lolly and her past, not only did her family not have a cohesive unit, they were very much like, fend for yourself. We all eat dinner at different times and do our own thing. There was actually a lot of reactivity um, that she experienced when around like tidiness and chores. And when she wasn't naturally tidy or didn't do chores, there was a lot of explosion. So now I'm coming home disappointed, feeling unloved. As you can imagine, I didn't say... Thank you for doing that. Yeah. I said, you know, I erupt it sometimes, yeah. or I, you know, I would close myself off and she's like, What's wrong? Aren't you going to make dinner? No, I'm not hungry, right? Clearly upset. Yeah. Which would only then like dominoes upset her because now she's going back, right, to her childhood where she doesn't know why I'm upset. And I'm now making accusations. You don't love, you don't care, you don't consider me. She's at a loss because there probably were seven things that she had done that day that were in loving, caring, consideration of me, right? And I'm so hooked on this only one way because I learned it in childhood. And again, my reactivity set off her reactivity. And then we just became a a ball of conflict around that. So in general, um, again, that's just one example of how very clearly even our past relationships- with what I was defining as love, as gestures, yeah, it's nice when there's dinner made for me, but now I've learned that there's many other ways that I'm loved and cared for and considered that I can now see and work to receive, especially around emotional support in my relationships, which is what I kind of am petitioning for. Yes, love languages can be part of the journey, but again, even to speak to the title of the book, I think what I'm hoping to help us all evolve to in our relationships is being in that kind of state of love, connecting mm-hmm. with our heart where we can allow right an individual self-expression be what it is and beginning to open up those blinders where we can maybe see all of the other ways and allow in other moments of connection, especially if you do have a partner that your preferred love language per se right isn't something that comes easy or natural to them.
1: Well, yeah, you know, and then as you, when I was reading your book also, though, because you do what I mean, I think we all do the same thing. It's like, well, we're obviously not getting along. Let's go find someone who we get along with better. Right. Yeah. right? That's like the go-to, yeah. right? So like, when do you take ownership? When it When is it about you having your set, not you personally, like when we have our set ways of thinking because of what we've dealt with in our life versus if someone's just a, a bad fit for us?
0: Yeah. And I very much, I think like many of us prior to Lolly would come to the conclusion or the resentment would build up so much. And I would deem that relationship just not good for me and try to find again, this more perfect partner. I think as you go on this journey and become aware of what you're doing, what you're bringing in, what you're creating in terms of the dynamic, you know, you could, you know, go One of two different directions, you could begin to see and celebrate. And of course, if you have an aware and committed partner to also hearing your perspective and learning how to give and receive support and maybe ways that could work for both of you, I do think the dynamic of a trauma bond, much like Lolly and I went through, can shift.
1: Tell everyone if they don't know what a trauma bond yeah.
0: is. So, we've been essentially talking about that it's all yeah. of these dysfunctional patterns, patterns or ways that. that we show up um, in a particular relationship that doesn't allow us to honor ourselves as a unique being with our needs, it doesn't allow us to give and take support. I think, you know, anytime it doesn't, we're relying again on those older habits usually ends up being, we don't feel fulfilled. We feel resentful. We feel angry. We don't feel like we're getting our needs met in right. our Rinse relationships. And yeah. And then we continue to, no matter how much we want to change or be different, we continue to be stuck in those patterns. And to speak to anyone asking in their mind, well, can that change? Absolutely. Lolly met and when I met Lolly, we had a lot of dysfunctional trauma bond patterns. Again, this those habitual ways. I yeah. was, one of them was that very frequent occurrence, <laughs> day right? Every night that <laughs> was day in and day out, right? So we came to an awareness, like I described, you're able to shift it into a more safely and secure, authentic relationship that you might continue to be in. Though for some of us, the end road is, you know, we're not aligned. Um, and I think the bigger, deeper things to be aligned around are, you know, your own kind of individual values and what it is that you want and see for your future and even going back to you kind of us like both acknowledging that very few of us kind of drop in and assess whether or not we're interested or, you know, attracted Mm -hmm. to the other person. I think something else that lacks in relationships or developing relationships is communication around shared goals and visions and even definitions of like what you want for your future and do you want marriage and are kids a part of it and where might we want to live and those type of deeper things. Totally. Um, I think they're not talked about as much for many different reasons, maybe because we don't yet know ourselves enough, Mm -hmm. maybe because we're so afraid to share what it is that we want in fear of not hearing that, you know, agreement from someone else. But I think those are the things that as you go on this journey, if there is a misalignment, if you can't, you know, if you want a family or a committed marriage, you know, kind of in, in, in any sense, and it doesn't look like what you're hearing. That your partner wants, if you don't want to live in the same environment, I mean, these are big, you know, big kind of life choices that I think could, if there's not alignment there, might be we decide to to move on.
1: Right, but it's so easy though to like to blame the other person, right? But it's it's because it's you. It's very easy to be like, well, this is not working because they're this way, like the blame game, right? Yes, and to. Why did you work it through with Lolly let's say were you because you've you were at a place already in your life where you had enough self-awareness you saw that you were the common denominator of course but like what made you do this with like with Lolly work through the dysfunction to the, get to the place where you guys are now
0: Yeah I think Part of it was where I was in terms of awareness. So prior to meeting Lolly, I was in a, a marriage previously. Yeah. When I was in a Vivian? Vivian, no. yes. I that's can't it. That I is her the name. name. Wink wink. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's in it the book. Yes, just it yes, <laughs> it's Yes, it's that is her pseudonym and it's not her real name. Um, yes. She and I though, we moved from New York to Philadelphia together and at that time I was finishing up my clinical hours and I was doing so at a psychoanalytic. Institute for Mm -hmm. Learning and Seeing Clients and all the things. So saying that to say I was in my own analysis at that time and also a group analysis. One hour, one hour and a half a week, I would sit in a room with other analysts. It was very overwhelming and we would essentially just free associate and discuss our experience and dynamic with everyone in the room. So at that point was when I, I started to, in hearing other My colleagues' perception and experience of me, and I really started to kind of get in a a percolator of like, oh, okay, like so I'm bringing some dynamics into at least my work relationships. And at that point, then really kind of highlight it for me. um, In addition to the move itself, coming from a very you know kind of close knit social community, I had a whole life built in New York. I was there for almost a decade before we moved. So when I met Vivian. I had a whole, you know, very busy, and this is one of the ways I dealt with all of my underlying stress and anxiety and all of the emotions that I didn't learn to deal with. I kept myself busy. I kept myself planned. There wasn't a day or of the week that I didn't have someone to hang out with. And right. I was living in New York City, which is like an endless, you know, amount of yeah. stimulation. So distracted then, constantly. Huge. And that's, again, I talk yeah. about distraction yeah. as a flight response, how some of us, and sometimes it can look very socially validated and accepted, mm-hmm. right? I'm just on the go all the the time and endlessly achieving and i'm at the pta meeting yeah. and the work and the this and the that and for a lot of us that's how we've learned to you know cope with all of the deep-rooted feelings which is why we end up feeling exhausted and empty even when and this is what i felt even getting all of these accomplishments when i kind of like checked that last box i hung my shingle yeah. i did all the things why was I feeling so exhausted and so empty to the point where I was actually, I was fantasizing of leaving, of running away. I would joke with Lolly when we first met about, I want to go be a barista in an Island somewhere. She's like, you just got your PhD. It took you eight years. What are you talking about? I was like, I I don't want to do it anymore because I'm just so tired and it doesn't, it's not, it's not fulfilling
1: for me in any
0: way. So when we moved though to Philly prior to meeting Lolly um, and didn't have that social network, it really, in addition to being in this training program, it really got me seeing again, the disconnection that that she and I had had. So when I then, I committed to being single for a bit, I lived on my own for the first time. My mom thought I was crazy because she and her, my family lived right over the bridge in New Jersey. She's like, don't you want to move home? There's a very <laughs> codependent mom. She's like, there's a room upstairs. And I'm like, no, I must live on my own. This is important for me. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to have this experience. And then I met Lolly and the reason why like I was sharing. So I was already starting to like, as taylor swift so beautifully put it "I'm um, the problem it's me exactly. i was starting to somewhat become aware that i was at least a little part of it and she was too very committed something we had talked about from the beginning i knew kind of her relationship passed and we were both very much committed to growing and learning and had a particular vision for the type of relationship that she and i had wanted so knowing that she was kind of committed as well is what kept me working through very difficult you know, points and challenges that as we were navigating all of this old stuff and even just going through an awakening really together and changing is very difficult and watching then our relationship change. Yeah.
1: You know, in the book, you talk about this a lot. You just touched on it now about the loneliness factor. I find it so interesting how many people are really lonely in a relation, in their relationship. And it's something that people don't talk about a lot. I think it's like there's shame around it. They feel they feel bad. They feel they feel like it's shameful really. That's the best way to put it. And you know, is it because they're again, is it the lack of communication? Is it because they're not well suited? How do you start breaking down that problem and that pattern? Because I'll tell you, like, especially here in LA, right? with kids and work and you look like you have it all, especially with social media. You have like a sliver of like someone's life and you're doing all the things and yet like, and you look perfect together. But most of those people, if you really like speak with them in a real way are really dissatisfied and lonely in their relationships.
0: I really appreciate you asking. And I think that that alone in a crowded room cliche or saying, whatever it is really, again, those the decade I spent in New York, as I'm describing it, yeah. I was never actually alone, though I never felt connected. Yeah. I never felt more alone, um, more alone in a crowded room. So that really is real. And I do think for, you know, we feel very shameful to say so it. Shameful. And We might yeah. even hear, reflect it back, you know, well, you have someone, at least you have someone, be happy with what you have. And again, I think a main cause, um, at least for my loneliness was, is, as even I was describing it earlier, right? There was no me. I wasn't even really connected to me. I wasn't actually sharing my true thoughts and perspectives and wants and needs and emotions. So of course, and this was then no surprise with my major complaint in all of my relationships prior to now was, I'm not emotionally connected to you. I don't feel that depth. I don't feel what I'm looking for. Yeah. And again, you were always the problem until I realized how could I ever feel connected to someone if I'm not in my body to feel connected to me, and more so if I'm not actually expressing my true self, my true thoughts, my true feelings. If I'm not being in the relationship, I could have a million people around me, and of course I feel lonely. And I think for a lot of us, there's a a deep disconnection. So as much as, again, this is a book about relationships, there's so much foundationally in it about rebuilding that connection with you, because to be and feel that level of attunement, right? There has to be that expression, right? I have to share with you my true self, what it is that I'm really thinking in this moment, how it is that I'm really feeling, right? That feeling of connection is actually a, a, a energetic yeah, experience totally. of, again, giving and receiving of this self-expression. And when we're not as I wasn't, right? A million miles away on my spaceship, just deferring to whatever you want to do for plans. Yeah. Couldn't even, I mean, I was that person. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want? Yeah. Like I couldn't, and it's taken me now, right? Cause again, I, I, was, I just asked you that before. I was told, and that wasn't coming from there. <laughs> I could actually drop it and tell you what I wanted, but it's taken me a lot of practice. And, yeah. you know, even back to this idea of like nervous system and wellness of tuning to my body and eating, not just at breakfast time and lunchtime, whatever designated time I learned, but when is my body hungry? And more so, what does my body want to eat? And there's many moments, even now living with two partners where I'm eating or doing and at a different time (laughs) than they are. And that's a big challenge, but it's so small things, right? Because now I'm asking me and myself and my body and what I need. And then how do I feel? And what do I want to do with my day and my time, especially if it's not what's happening around me? See, okay, that was a
1: great segue, girl. Okay, I mean, there's no way. I worked it. (laughs) Yeah, you basically you left it for me on a beautiful silver platter. Okay, I don't know if you caught it, but Nicole said with my two partners because now the whole podcast will. I don't know how I can get off of this topic, but so nicole talks about this in her book about an expanded relationship right so she you're not married though right you have two i'm married to well you're no i'm so saying
0: you have two but you have married oh yes but not married to both right
1: you're married because you're not technically yet okay so lolly is her wife and then they also expanded their relationship and they have a girlfriend named jenna and it's called now it's you call it an expanded relationship, but it is a throuple. The th- yes, a technical name that okay. I,
0: I learned googling the, it yeah. myself. <laughs> I know, I love wondering it. if it was a possibility.
1: And so, first of all, I knew about this before, and I was like, I'm like, I wonder if it's going to be in the book. I wonder if it's going because the book is all about relationships. And boom, like in the end of the book, there it is. And I, I felt like I was like I was just, as you could tell, i have even saying it now. I'm like just. I have to ask you about it. You have to describe it. How did you get to a place where, number one, like having one wife or girlfriend is difficult. Now you have two. How did you evolve into that type of relationship? Like you have the floor. Just start. You <laughs> it know? actually,
0: the the evolution really um, maps onto a lot of the concepts that yes. I shared throughout the book. And again, like I was actually just sharing, Lolly and I have been since the beginning of our relationship committed to our individual and relational happiness, meaning we were both committed to honoring space and time for each of us to explore ourselves as as people and to continue to assess and make sure that our relationship, you know, as a couple was a space that was benefiting both of us. So we've always been committed to that and on our journey of evolution, you know, to kind of be just authentically ourselves. We had both spent a lot of time, you know, being different things for different people. So Flash forward in time, actually, Jenna is someone that we connected with within the community. As soon as I created the Instagram account, she started to really drop meaningful comments. As um, soon as? This more been, or less, she was How from- many years ago? so it's the origination of the account 2018 she actually has a beautiful story about this too where she was introduced to the account by one of now her late brother's girlfriend at that time and showed her the account because jenna was on a very similar journey in terms of her own evolution and wanting to create a wellness healing based community oh, in the world so uh-huh. she was kind of doing that on her own she shares a beautiful story though it's more hers to tell but of being you know introduced to well do you know this person she's doing the thing that you want to do and Oh, I didn't you know, know had that. Had this whole experience. So it was very early on um, when I first set up the holistic psychologist account on Instagram and. She started to then, when she hit follow, drop really meaningful comments. I could see the alignment so much so that I, like, knew her as her handle, at Jenna Weakland. So, and as is still the case, I mean, there's still community members that, like, I have a knowing of them just because they've been around or what they comment and, you know, being just- So she's at
1: the beginning. So she was
0: there from the beginning. Like, how many followers at this point when you were, Um, like- I mean, less than a couple, you know, tens of thousands- Wow, so it's like really so, so the beginning, so much wow. so that when I came out then I had the opportunity and it was still, I think I might have only had a hundred plus thousand, maybe a hundred thousand, when Lewis Howells reached out um and wanted to have me on School of Greatness. I had been such a fan of his work for so long. So I was like floored. Oh my gosh, you wanna talk to me? So absolutely, I'll fly out to California and do that. And I had a couple other podcasts while I was out here. So I was living in Philly, it was still very new. Lolly and I fly out. And while we're here, we're like, oh, there's probably a lot of community out in California. I want to do a free meditation. So I literally dropped the pin on a beach. I was like, I think this is be where it is. It was some random beach, some, like just like some random pull up in Venice Beach. I probably wasn't even allowed to do that because I didn't have a permit. Oh my and I God. just told the community without knowing, really scared out of my mind because at this point, everything I did was virtual. I, I'm very scared of speaking in front of people, but I thought this is important. I want to hold a meditation. So lo and behold, in the morning comes like, thousand people it was so many people how many people like, like almost a thousand people showed up it was it was wild at how many people were there on the beach i have this beautiful picture a photographer came it's hanging up it's just it was such a moving experience i did a free inner child meditation and wow. afterward meant they all many of them lined up and I'm, oh my gosh you're lining up to meet me so i like met everyone as i still do this anyone so if anyone ever sees me and says hi or sees me out please say hi you know, just um, realized by the way nicole if you had a thousand people show up when you had a couple hundred thousand
1: people following you can you imagine what mayhem would happen now you have like what eight million people yeah, on no, there following
0: seven million you. yeah 7.2 Wow, i was floored i never I mean, I knew California was probably a lot of people that were resonating yeah. with my work, but I wouldn't have You could fill up the stadium. I want to say someone even like flew in for that particular. I was so, I mean, they're really, I have chills right now. I, me it, too. That is it, crazy. It, it really was like tangible, the impact that that the community was making on myself and and for them so'm yeah, you know, yeah I don't mean
1: because you know just realized like that because that just shows how engaged that because' a, a thousand yes. people it was incredible you, you would literally like you would fill up like the Sophie Stadium or like the
0: stadiums here with what you have now if a thousand people showed up there I was floored scared shitless all the things um at the wow. end of the line though Jenna ended up she, the last um, one, she was the last one there she has our whole story about that day where she almost didn't come a uh, very typical jenna style but she comes and i registered her right away and she gave me a very meaningful gift and we had an exchange and she then left and shortly after we opened up enrollment for the self healer circle and right when we opened up enrollment because there were so many people we did it right from instagram hey it's open so everyone clicked on it at once And we literally crashed the server, the billing system, and had quite a technological pickle on our hand. And it was at that point just Lolly and I trying to navigate it all. So within, we were very transparent to the community. We put up a story letting everyone know what was happening and just updating them that we were, like, resolving it. (laughs) Uh, And Jenna, immediately upon seeing it, sent a DM and was like, I know what you're doing, I see what you're doing, I'm doing the same thing, like I'm here to help in any way. We saw it literally within a second of her sending it, even though we had all those followers and we're on a call with her and she then began to help. Um, within the circle and has been an integral part. So by the time then she was still living, she was living in, um, in Palm Springs actually here with a friend and we were still in Philly knowing we were moving out here. So I think within the next year, we ended up moving to Venice Beach. She got an apartment a couple blocks away and then we started to kind of work together but she
1: was working for you guys she was like, working but so what was her role like head of community or she, like uh
0: she was like hand in hand with me running the circle
1: oh she was okay. she was yeah and she's also the one who you do all your videos with right yes
0: videos podcasts like yeah. the
1: one where you're like you guys act like yes. active yes. by the way those are that's brilliant because people can re- like i love those because you can really understand the dynamic to
0: though too yeah and so she's the one you do those yeah, with. so she's the one. But she's been very much like helping me create the circle, helping us navigate all the emails and tech issues that come in, now building it out. We've built out our own private portal. I mean, we have a whole tech team now that she leads and a whole team under her that helps support um, Did she have a job circle. that she quit at the time to come do this with you? or She was, yeah, she was pursuing her um, The whole her thing own, that you're like. You're she was like kind of doing her own. Parallel to you doing. Yeah, and then she was like, let's just do it together. Um, That's amazing. It, it ended up being just such, I mean, she, her strengths and talents and gifts are such a compliment to Lolly and I. So as you can imagine, we spent a lot of time together then, yeah. living in California, running this business. And then obviously that bled into like, you know, doing personal things, celebrating birthdays and all of the things. And so as then time went on, there became a period of time where things got really difficult and there was a lot of conflict and there was a lot of um, just like upset over stupid things and communication issues. And all three of us being very committed to the cause, to the vision, to the business, we started to then openly be like, what's going on? Like, we need to figure out why we're struggling, why we're having conflict, why we're struggling to communicate. So we were all kind of doing our own, like, hmm, like trying to figure out what it was. And when did that start? Like, how long ago did that happen? So I want to say we were all, we're almost together, officially the three of us, for two years. So in the couple of months prior to yeah. when we, okay. things started to like hit, like, we need to talk about what's going on place. And it so happened that the course in that month, whatever month that it was that we had the conversation, I forget now, though I could look on my little schedule and figure out exactly, <laughs> um, it was on heart authenticity, courageous authenticity, connecting with your heart and speaking your truth. And that was inspired. So one morning we were doing our regular farmer's market Friday that we did every Friday and Jenic rolls over. And that particular morning she was meeting a friend before we went to the farmer's market, but she stopped by and she wanted to speak to us and both separately. Okay. So she comes in and sits me down and was like, you know, I, I've, been thinking you know and kind of exploring for myself what it is that's going on and you know I could tell she was like wanting to tell me something that was emotional and she then goes on to say that the course you know even the topic idea was you know really kind of inspired by this desire to like just live your truth and speak what's on your heart and she's like so I I, you know want to tell you that what is continuing to come up for me is that I want more than a professional relationship with both you and Lolly. I'm attracted to you both. Like, I have feelings for you both. Like, I'm not even sure what to make of this myself. I can't imagine what you're sitting here thinking right now, you know, though I know it's important. And Jenna's been someone, one of her incredible gifts that ever inspires me today is her ability to always have been, despite all of the things, terrible things that she's had to navigate in her life, she's always been connected to her heart and followed Mm. her heart. So she's like, I want, I need to speak this to you. Like this is what's on my heart. Um, what I do know is I, I want to preserve our professional relationship just as much as I you know, want to share this with you. So I don't, you know, I want you to take time, you know, and, and tell me and, and kind of drop into your heart and tell me what it is that you, you know, you make of this. Though ultimately I don't want this to impact our business. And then went and went and saw our friends. So I didn't necessarily respond in that moment. She didn't want me to respond in that moment. Though afterward, Lolly and I obviously had a point to come together. Were you together. shocked? Uh, yes and no, I think I was relieved because I think obviously there was a part of me that was feeling obviously the same, attracted to her, unsure of what to do with it, wouldn't even speak that in my mind. I right. felt relieved that finally, that there was a, a reason, if you will, for all of these moments of tension. Um, and again, I go into the science behind that, you know, when we're living in misalignment you know, we're not in that kind of heartbreak coherence yeah. that I talk all about, it really can contribute. And doesn't mean obviously that everyone wants to be in an expanded relationship, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of moments where we're not really saying what's on our heart. So we are, you know, picking a fight about the dishes not being. 100% of those stupid things Other that, yeah. things because we're not really yeah. telling you what's on mm-hmm. our mind or what's really wrong, you know, or whatever it is, so. I'm super
1: excited to share my latest health obsession with you guys. It's called Metabolic Daily by Pendulum. Metabolic Daily is a powerful multi-strain probiotic that really improves your metabolism, reduces your sugar cravings, breaks down carbs more efficiently, and sustains your energy. I've been taking Metabolic Daily for a few months, and it's unbelievable the results I've seen. Not only do I never struggle with my cravings, but I'm seeing a huge improvement in my body composition from breaking down carbs more effectively. I love Pendolin because they are really disrupting the probiotic market with clinically studied strains that aren't available anywhere else. They were founded by PhD scientists and are backed by the Mayo Clinic, And Halle Berry, who recently became their chief communications officer because of the results that she's seen. They're the only company with, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, it's called Acromancia, a next generation strain that's called the keystone strain for gut health. You can get it as a single strain or in metabolic daily. Plus, you guys can take 20% off your first month of any Pendulum product membership with this code. Jen Cohen. So go now to PendulumLife.com and use my code at checkout. Trust me, you will feel incredible. I'm glad to know that you do that too, to this day, that that still is happening yeah. with you, even with all the information you have. It's and, all
0: still happening. Yeah. That's why I even say like I'm having two partners trying to still Navigating. be emotionally connected with them is still very unfamiliar, even though I have all the love in the world in front of me by two different people. There's still that little girl that feels so vulnerable sharing my emotional needs, giving and receiving. Exactly. I mean, it's an actual and embodied practice. So it can be present and it can still be those old habits that are there. Go on, go on, though. So what so, happened? So then Lolly and I had a conversation afterward and kind of acknowledged both of us feeling relieved that, you know, that that's what has been there and both interested and wanting to see. And So I, Lolly also was as interested as you were? As interested as I was. Really? Um, and we then, the three of us, were uh, like unsure. And so jokingly, I mean, I, when I said I Googled it, I, we went online. Lolly is a big researcher. She's like, I'm going to just go see what other people are doing. And So she starts pulling up videos and there was very limited, which is again, a reason why I will continue to share that aspect. And we did then come out publicly at a later time so that I, you know, could be more transparent. We were running a podcast together, but we started Googling and the few examples, we learned the word "throttle" because we knew we weren't we weren't wanting to open the relationship. And, and again, that is some people's path or date other people. We really were like wanting to see like, can three people be in a relationship? Yeah. And it turns out that someone at one point named it a throuple. I thought it was a cute name. So I was like, oh, sure. I guess that's what we're trying now. And we then, you know, kind of continued and evolved the relationship and- Well, how know, does it figured work Figured out though? how to navigate three people <laughs> yeah. in a relationship. How? and all three women yet? Yeah, you know? Like,
1: I mean, is there like, so- And I asked you this before, and this is the thing I always think, like, is it because you and Lolly know each other, right, for so many years prior and you were married, like, what's the distinction? Like, is there jealousy... Does Jenna move into the house? Do you guys all live together? Are you guys sleeping in a bed? Do you guys take turns in the bed? Like, what are all the details? We, when it
0: began, Jenna still had officially her apartment in right. um, Venice. Venice, And we had a much smaller bed than we do now, though she began <laughs> to spend um, many more overnights and time with us in Venice. And then when we moved from Venice to Scottsdale, we moved into the same home. Where we live, we got a very large bed. They have those; I they know. have extra size beds. What companies. Kind of size? It's like a triple or a king and a half. It's obscene looking. It takes up what a, a room fit a, a, in? a very large room? It takes up a, a the entirety of the room, essentially, uh, so that the three wow. of us can sleep. We do share the bed, same bed every night, and with my cat. We need room for my little oh old gosh, lady that, lives, don't forget in the, about that the cat. lives in the bedroom <laughs> because she can't live out with the other boys. Though so, yes, we started the living. boys. We have other boy cats. Okay, okay. I was like, what? No other people. Okay, I was like, what? Just (laughs) us and cats. (laughs) But my cat doesn't get along where she's too old to be around the other cats. So she sleeps in the bedroom and guys with me. Who sleeps in the middle? Right now, Lolly typically. Does it change? Well, I sleep on the end because I sleep with my cat Hadley mm. and Jenna prefers to sleep on the end because she flails a bit. In her sleep, oh my so. God, this is hilarious. <laughs> when we travel though, so this has opened up a whole interesting world of, you know, accommodations yeah. when we travel and people like, do you want a cot or how's this going to work? And will the bed be big enough? Um, because we do operate as, as a unit. We sleep together and we look, you know, we are, I mean, there are times I'm here now in California and the two of them are home. So we have times where there's, like, a separation of, you know, one will go yeah. or two will travel elsewhere together um, and have time together to build, like, individual relationships and dynamics. So, of course, there was a shifting and, and opening and a, you know, kind of difficulty, you know, to some extent. I'm Jenna integrating into an established relationship. How? How does it happen? Um, What's the first step? I mean, that w- just living it and figuring out. I think that there, there's not, like, a, a plan Do of action. Do you want a date the first time? No, we just... I mean, we were kind of just hung out as usual. And... It's amazing. And then, you know, you know it was a very interesting, like, natural. It was like that was just the only missing piece, the physical aspect of our relationship. And then when it was there, I was like, oh, this makes total sense. But then obviously there's been growing pain since and figuring out different dynamics. And, you know, there's always, I think, a tendency that all of us human have to compare, you know, and feel jealous about time or way time is spent or what you perceive as a connection. And you know, am I getting my amount too? And, you know, yeah. so that, you know, is I think a natural thing that is still in the back at times. But at times only? Like it doesn't feel like. No, like I'm here now and I'm very grateful that the two of them have time together. I'm not feeling left out. I'm actually feeling enjoying my time in my space. Yeah. Away. Which again, the, the older version of me, A, to be, it, it was until I remember when I went on my first trip alone. It was up to New York for an overnight when I just started the holistic psychologist account. So four years ago was the first time I traveled anywhere alone by myself. And it was just Ever? It, ever. Really? I had always had a partner or or someone I went with. I flew from Philadelphia to Australia to visit my girlfriend at the time in college. I was on alone on the airplane. Yeah, wow. But no, I was never I never spent overnight or time away. And I came from a very dependent household. We didn't do that. I mean, to the day my mom died, they did everything together, my mom and my dad. Wow. So they, So now I've gotten to the point where I appreciate my alone time. I have many opportunities now to come out here and do do things like this. Yeah. And now what that means though, is I leave, right, the two of them. And there's not no jealousy. I feel grateful that they have their time because I've learned that the security of all of our connections to the pod, if you will, or the and to each other really does translate in, you know, the better we're all feeling, the more connected and securely connected we're all feeling to each other and to the group really does then bleed into just feeling better across the board for all of us.
1: It's interesting because like three, usually one always feels left out, Mm -hmm. right? Like if it was four, It'd be a little bit we're, more. We're all set.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not but asking by the we're way. We're No, I'm just saying in general. I don't, that's
1: enough. That would enough. be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But because- and for some people, yeah, four or five. You know, I mean, I do think that we're moving into a space of. People exploring different versions, even with two. I a lot of people in the community. When we you know post about different living arrangements, yeah. You know, there's a lot of couples who choose not to, for different reasons, sleep in the same bedroom. Yeah. Um. There's some couples who choose not to even live in the same home and have different versions. I've been
1: hearing that of a lot relationship.
0: Lately. So I just want to normalize. There's so many different ways um, that we can find fulfillment. And there's some people that don't even want a romantic partnership, and maybe we'll just continue to find fulfillment in deep friendships for the rest of their life. So I think that we're moving just toward a more open future of types of relationships. I
1: feel that way. I feel like, I, well, because this is what you do. Do you feel like you're hearing more, maybe because you're doing it, then people are more open to, to talking about it. But do you feel like you're ta- you're hearing more about open relationships, more about throuples, more about these like alternative ways of having relationships do you feel like that is on on an uptick
0: yeah i think googling it now i have many different (laughs) examples and even what is it the three years ago when i did and yeah i think it's a byproduct of people are becoming more comfortable it's kind of like dominoes again in a way where more people one person starts talking about it kind of opens the door for another person to talk about it whether or not it's a new thing i'm not sure i mean i'm imagining it probably isn't right I mean, I even think back to, you know, our tribal days in a lot of ways, you know, there was very much a communal way of living, whether or not there was a romantic nature to it or not. I mean, you know, you pass the baby around or whatever caregiver's available. So I think in a lot of ways, we're kind of going back to things that aren't necessarily new. And I think a lot of it was probably happening behind the scenes for a lot of people, maybe with a lot of shame. And now with the visibility of internet and the ability to talk about these things and normalizing that happens. As a byproduct, I do think you're seeing much more of it. How about kids? Do you guys
1: ever talk about kids?
0: I was have been pretty set for my entire life that um, kids aren't kind of, uh, uh, something that I'm you know aligned with. Lolly as well. Jenna has very much a maternal, she spent a lot of time as a teacher and a kind of nanny caretaker for children for many years so she very much has a maternal or instinct yeah um though is equally as comfortable with not being a parent and being a pet parent instead
1: i can't this is i mean it's wild i love it because what it says to me is that and i said this to you because it's the truth the authenticity of who you are like you're not you're not going to be somebody that you're not you're going to live your truth you're going to say what it is regardless of what people feel think whatever and i think that's like the beauty of who you are and why you've had such great success and um i feel like how do i even ask you any other questions (laughs) after the throuple right like where do I go from there, Nicole? What am I supposed to say?
0: Well, thank you for saying that, and that is one of the major reasons that we decided to make it public, yeah. uh, the relationship, when we did, because I was—we were both getting to the place, Jen and I, you know, running the circle together, hosting the podcast together, where we had many events or you know, podcast episodes where we were like, oh my gosh, they were like censoring, you know, like I have to either not tell the story or change the person in it. And it wasn't feeling good. And, you know, obviously his visibility continued to increase, you know, being out in public and her and I and be out in public. It wasn't something where I wanted, to like you know, don't touch me. I I want right. you to hold my hand. I want to be you know loving and affectionate to you. Yeah. So you want to be you. The choice to be you know kind of authentically, if you will, out in this way it was really a, a no brainer, non negotiable. Because the other option was to have to modify or censor or you know pretend. And I don't ever want to go back there. Yeah. So and honestly, the community was was just so receptive and so supportive and. Um, really made it, you know, kind of easy to continue to, you know, speak about it in the ways. That's
1: amazing. How big is the community now? Like to be a member and all that stuff, like do you have, gr- how does it work? Uh, do, is it like a pay a membership and then um, so, I have access to? Yeah. So the circle
0: it's I mean, obviously we're, all of the the free access platforms now across pretty much any social media um, platform we've we've grown to is is always a priority you know i see it and i actually talk to the members about this a lot like like the membership is what funds our ability to grow yeah. social media teams and like keep the podcast out and you know all the different things and you know pay for all the tech um, to put it out there because that, that is a priority. So we're very aware of how global our community is. And I mean, daily, I read heartbreaking messages from members really, yeah. who just, you know, are in really repressed countries, repressed of information, don't have any sort of support. And are like that is their lifeline. Um, and the comment section are just such a beautiful place on wow. the social media to hear other people's journeys and to connect. Um, so I'm always shouting out um, any of the social media accounts. And they will always be a free resource and a top priority. And my hope is to continue to grow them. I mean, we actually just opened up an Arabic page. You did? Um, we pay We pay an Arabic translator because that was a big, big community that was... T- uh, totally. Under resourced and very much in need of a lot of these conversations. So, my hope is into a future of being able to have all different varieties of translation accounts and just to continue to get this word out, though there is um, obviously the paid membership option, the circle.
1: Right, right, um, right. That
0: began at all with Jenna and I, that it opens three times a year. It's $26 a month, and you get access to at this point. I mean, we're nearing four years old on November 1st. So every month we put out a new kind of mini course, if you will, with PDF content and worksheets and guided meditations and little journaling prompts to kind of help you create habits. It's very much on kind of creating consciousness yeah. and those new habits, very holistic models. So we have so many different conversations around attachment and the nervous system. Um, and this mo- this couple of months, we're talking about nervous system regulation and all of these, these, these different tools. So when you are a member you have access to the entire library every course that has ever come out from the beginning of it all and then every month we release a new course at this point now we have four at least, if not more, because oftentimes we have special pop-ups. We'll have book authors come in where their book club, we give a book club suggestion for every um, course topic. And a lot of times we have the opportunity to actually have the author in and do a pop-up, but we have at least four live events, which means four times a month for at least one hour. Though sometimes the events are a bit longer. We have, whether it's I'm presenting, where you have a lot of outside presenters coming. So I think it's important to expose not just to the way we think of these topics, but to the way other people in kind of their area of expertise or thinking about all these different topics. And we had some incredible presenters come in already and some more to come. So, and it's an opportunity for um, the community who is on that live event to engage in a live chat. So one of the, Events we even just call a community check in, where Jen and I just hang out for an hour and engage directly with the community. So we have the workshop, a check in, a content teaching, and then every month is a Q&A. So any of the questions that come up that members submit, so they can actually have their questions answered by me live, I spend an entire hour um, answering questions on that month's topic. So it's an incredible wow. resource and it really is an incredible opportunity, not only for the community, but for me. Um, it's my community, you yes. know, it's, it's a time, you know, a couple times each month where even if I'm not giving the workshop, I'm in the, in the comments. Um, and at this point now we've been able to build our own custom house for it all that has all of that content that live streams, the videos. So you go on our own private website, you have your own private login. And we also built, it very much looks like Facebook where every member has their own profile page. They can create it however they want. It can be what? their real name. It can be a fake name because a lot of people do want to be anonymous and they could put up posts connect with other members we have an incredible cool feature it's a google map essentially but it, you can drop their location so we've had some real life in in person meetups um, I think the Portland area has a regular one where once a month people in the circle now get together because they've been able to find each other on the map and create in person. Are you kidding I think we me? have a, officially one or two relationships that have developed in it over these four Are you years. Serious? I know it's wild. Yeah. So the community aspect is an incredible part of it. Um, and like I said, I, I'm in that portal, as we call it, every day in the activity feed, interacting with members. And it's, it's healing for me too because I'm still. On it. And so many times a member will drop a post, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm, I really, I'm struggling with that, or, you know, thanks for that reminder.
1: This is literally changing people's lives, which is remarkable. And I didn't even, you know, like, of course I know, but I didn't think about it. Like, it's so worldwide. Like, I didn't even realize, of course, like, the Arabic world and all, like, Saudi Arabia, all these places. Like, what is the percentage of your community that's o- that's overseas in these
0: areas? I think we have some upwards of probably more than 180 countries represented um, in the membership itself. That's not, I, I don't know, social media. I'm sure we're much greater than that. But officially, as a member, I think we're over... Probably nearing two hundred countries represented. So I, I, sometimes just blow up that map and look at it, and you like get chills. So it's, like, oh, it's I don't insane. Know. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that was a country, or like, where's that at? No, and there's it's a member dinged in there.
1: It's it's really unbelievable if we really think about it. Like the breadth of what's like. Did you ever think?
0: In a million years,
1: this would have happened.
0: I was texting with my sister on the way here tonight, saying, "I this is." She's like, "It's hard for me to comprehend." I said, "It's hard for me to comprehend. Um, never in a million years." And there's again a very protected part of me that is still like, huh. "It's like and when I, I think <laughs> of it, like, oh, don't look at me, all you people." Or, uh, yeah, it's because you know. it's like
1: it happened really quickly in a way. Like I remember being like, "But I think when I first met you, it was during COVID actually, wasn't it? You were like maybe at a million and a half followers. And I'm like, oh, she's doing great. Good for her. Next thing you know, you're at eight million. I'm like the jump. I mean, that's ex- like insane.
0: It's I think a testament to humanity. Humanity,
1: a hundred percent. You
0: know, we're dying for these conversations, for this so back to this loneliness, especially with COVID. I mean, that was really, really difficult um, and and traumatizing not only the financial insecurity that's come from it, the disconnection, the health and the loss. Oh, my God. I think more than ever now we need, and I think it's it's the future um, in a lot of ways. Yes, individual help is absolutely part of many people's journeys, though I think we're all desiring and need that community space. The place to feel like we belong. So I think that's why it, the numbers are just like continuing to just.
1: But you know what's interesting? Like you hit it on the note. Like like even those videos. Like I feel like is it, is it possible? Like so many of these videos feel like it's my life. Like it's people think, joke like, <laughs> are you my living room? Yeah. <laughs> like wait, this happened to me. Like how are you able to like to get at the core like that? That's like a talent in itself. Like you're you're like a wealth of information to be able to and and to be able to execute in a way that's so tra- like transferable and tr- it can relate to everybody. Like me, the person in Saudi Arabia, this person in some random Arabic country, you had no idea. Like. That's what's so incredible
0: to me. I think it really speaks to how similar, more similar we We all are, right? You know, like the fact that I can tell a story that, and the community is a gift, right? Reading through the comments, reading and seeing other people's social media presence, right, you can pick out like the themes and the commonality. And I think it really does come down to, we are so much more similar. Than, you know, not. we are dissimilar. It always makes me laugh too. And someone's like, well, you know, you, this happens only here. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not, you know, like culture is a thing. And really, when it comes down to it, we're the culture of humanity. And in my opinion, that is more similar than dissimilar.
1: 100%. I'm curious, where do you go to find some type of I don't know, therapy of some kind. Because, you know, every coach needs a coach, right? So you are that person to all these millions of people. Who's your, who do you go to? Who do you turn to?
0: I mean, I mean, the community, like I said, is a big container for me. Seeing a reflection of me and so many other people helps me is incredibly healing for me. Um, Having the gift of loving partners, which sometimes means hearing the hard stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's, again, part of what some of us have not learned to be the truth of Mm -hmm. love and relationships, which is sometimes it means sharing a, a difficult perspective. I'm hearing something or how someone is experiencing you that could be difficult. And the three of us being on this journey are very much committed to having those hard conversations. So on more than one occasion, both of them have held mirrors up to me. Um, in terms of and having three people you know makes it you know like you can observe the dynamic that's happening here and it's I amazing. want to knock you out but you know I kind of like can see and if I have two people that are telling me that they're experiencing me in the same way around something even if I'm sure that's not what it is like I've learned at least now to not just defer because they're saying it or anyone is saying anything but yeah. to really like as much as I don't want to t- try it on for size every now and again. Um, I've had the gift of, you know, connecting with incredible humans that I look up to in terms of their work. And yeah. so I just, I find it, I think, in all of the different places. Right. Um, I that, mean,
1: it's, yeah, I I, I just, the, the, it's, it's I marvel in how much, You've accomplished. It's amazing. And did we? I have a bunch of questions, but did I like not? Now it's like I like I said, it's weird to even. I wanted to ask you about the parenting piece because you were saying in the book about prioritizing self-care for a parent is so important. And so many times, I'm a parent, and I feel you feel selfish doing so because you feel like, oh, I should be doing that. But how you framed it is so accurate, right? Because you're you want your kids to mimic and see the importance of how you're prioritizing you, especially if you have a little girl, I think, as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I think even
0: beyond that, yeah. again, bringing up the cliche that anyone who's flown on an airplane has heard, yeah. you know, putting your oxygen man mask off on first. And so I think it's something that we hear, I've heard for many, many flights. And then it, like one day, I was like, huh, well, you know, as simple as that is, yeah. the reason why, right, is if I pass out from lack of oxygen, I can't help the person next to me. Totally, That also applies to the conversation in terms of self-care and the nervous system. And if I'm not taking moments to, you know, be a person in a physical body that has needs and limits and, you know, needs to kind of take a moment to even calm themselves or do the daily things that will, you know, help them stay regulated, Regulated. then- I'm gonna go right back into not only those cycles and maybe the dynamics that I you know don't want to continue to recreate with my children, but even more problematically, those explosive moments. are like my mom, my mom didn't want to give any of us the silent treatment. She just could not regulate through her own overwhelming emotions totally. to return to connection any sooner. So again, that you know, putting our oxygen mask on first really is. Modeling the behavior of caring, so that you can be a kind, compassionate, and loving right. parent. And I do agree with you. I think a lot of us have learned. And while I can't even imagine how it is to be, you know, in a parenting role, yeah. it is the, in my opinion, the most important role. And I, I, think parents in general are, you know, again conditioned on their past and all of these beliefs, like it is, you know, selfish to do totally. these things. And I think more so, they're greatly under supported for many different reasons. And I think I'm hoping, and there's a lot of incredibly helpful, I think, parenting Advice out there now beyond that behavioristic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, totally. That can help give some free resources to parents. And again, I think parents now more than ever need community. And we have a parenting group um, in the circle. So we have little groups that so we, we can set up that are like, you know, special interests where parents can post on their particular parenting board about parenting topics um, specifically for that reason. And, you know, trying to have parent presenters or parent focused presenters in is always priority I actually just did um Instagram live with a an incredible book of a parent tiny humans big emotions I think it is alyssa Campbell um, just wrote it literally it was last week her and I did so if you visit the holistic dot psychologist uh, like th- the dot psychologist at the instagram there's a instagram live and you can get more information she already gave a ton of re- resources in our conversation but even someone like her really great parenting stuff out there.
1: Because it's, it's, obviously it starts from, from that. It starts at such a, at that level, at that point, it makes sense that that should be fundamental, what we work on first, right? As a parent, if you're going to be a parent, make sure you are giving your kids the tools and the, and the role modeling to go out there and be as less or be as, as little traumatized as possible, I should say, right? Like, that's. I mean, there's so many things. I don't want to. I, I don't want to like beat a dead horse after everything we just spoke about. But the book really is so good, and I'm like, I recommend everybody picking one up at any at any type of relationship. It's not even so much even romantic relationships. It's every type of relationship. It's about and it really comes down to the relationship with yourself. And all your books are again based on on the the healing, the self healing, the the working out what for yourself, what you need. I think you're just great, as you can imagine. I tell you all the time. But for people who don't know where to find (laughs) you, please tell everybody yet again.
0: Absolutely. So again, however it is that you consume content, um, at this point there's probably some (laughs) presence of the holistic psychologist, so type that in the search bar. I think you'll find it. Whether it's TikTok or what should I call it, X now? Twitter, yeah. X. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Threads. threads. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube. Um, we're going to actually, I'm um, on the docket next week. I'm going to start putting out some new YouTube content, revive that. We've been repurposing videos for a little bit on the YouTube channel, The Holistic Psychologist. So come visit us on all of the social media. The website is theholisticpsychologist.com. You can get more information on The Circle, on the books. I don't know when this is going to air. Oh, well, you book
1: it soon. Well, whenever you the, want.
0: Um, there might still be some tickets i have a little bit of a book tour i'll be here and in new york when are you here um, and in Tempe, arizona um the week after or the week of my publication so it comes out on the 28th Mm -hmm. i think i'm here on say like the second but don't quote me on that exact date december 2nd um i have an event at the grove
1: So, again, how many people are going to be there? Because if you had a 1,000 people at that one event, are they at the call of security?
0: Yes. Um, I think L.A. might be close to sold out. I know we just released some new tickets, so I don't know if when this airs it will still be. Um, Yeah. But then I have an event in New York as well at a slightly bigger venue, the 92nd Street Y. Again, that's publication evening. So – Visit my website, all the information, if there is still tour tickets, and obviously I'll continue to release any in-person opportunities on the website and all on the social media, which will continue to happen.
1: Thank you. I I, I want to come to your thing just to, not like you're going to even see me anyway. I'll be like a little (laughs) little pebble in the back, but uh, all right. Thanks, Nicole. Bye.